Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the 16mm Film Crew Podcast. I'm Cindy. I'm Dale. You can watch us on YouTube. You can like and comment on our YouTube videos and subscribe to our YouTube channel. You can support us on Anchor. You can follow us on Letterboxd at 16mm Crew Podcast. And you can listen to us everywhere podcasts are found at 16mm Film Crew Podcast as well as following us on Twitter at 16mm Crew Podcast and on Instagram at 16mm Crew. Okay, so this week we watched Summer of Soul or When the Revolution Could Not Be Televised. Here is your synopsis. Over the course of six weeks during the summer of 1969, thousands of people attend the Harlem Cultural Festival to celebrate Black history, culture, music, and fashion. Um, it's directed by Amir Questlove Thompson. Um, it's a Oscar-nominated documentary at this point. And um, yeah, I've been wanting to watch this for a while. So, Dale, how did you feel about this documentary? Um, it was eye-opening um, to see that there was a cultural experience just like that. Um, that, you know, fell by the wayside because they felt that it wasn't marketable. You know, to to have something in a cultural experience like that locked away in a vault for like fifty years is really disheartening in a way. Um, but I also, well, I felt I felt sad watching it for like a multitude of reasons. Um, mm-hmm. It was really a it wasn't really a a lot to digest, but it was really beautiful to watch. And that's part of that's one of the many things that made me feel sad watching it. So, yeah. I felt really like proud. Like I don't know. I I felt like there was some recognition of one all of our contributions as black people that we've made to music and to culture overall, but also just to be like a black person. Like I kind of wish I was there just to celebrate and like experience that cuz that seemed like a really pivotal moment in our history but also with Questlove kind of doing this documentary and recovering all this footage it feels like we can celebrate that time that we never got to have I don't think you know no one really got to experience this outside the people who were there um, because it wasn't distributed it wasn't you know shown like Woodstock is and I felt like the world missed out on a really great moment but I also felt like very proud to be a black person watching this yeah I mean, I don't know. I like watching that movie. Like, it makes me feel like it's almost an ongoing cycle, and not even an ongoing cycle in a way. Kind of makes me feel like us as a culture have like stagnated to a degree from that time, from that 1960s summer. We were talking about the civil mm-hmm. rights movement and everything else. Um, because I felt like at that moment there was a collective consciousness among all Black people to like. You know, not just embrace their culture, but unify for one common goal. And it's nothing more exemplified in that than all the black celebrities. Like the athletes were involved in protests and were walking out. You had the the actors and singers putting on events like this because they could felt feel it. And now, like with everything that's been going on, like you know, uh, Trayvon Martin, George Floyd, all. Everything that's been going on, like posts like Trump and whatever, it feels like those same fires are there, but it's not the same level. Like, I watched this made me feel sad because I feel like 
the biggest voices, like athletes and celebrities in the black community, for the most part, have largely been quiet, you know. So, yeah, that's that's mm-hmm. one of those things that made me, you know, feel sad watching this movie. Yeah, I get that. I felt, I felt it's interesting to see how much culture has changed, um, really for me in terms of the music industry, because like when I was watching <laughs> the documentary and then like watching these live performances, like every single person who went up there could sing, like their voices were amazing. And now I'm thinking, I'm like, yeah, singing isn't like a requirement to be a entertainer in the music industry. Like you just gotta look if you can sing great. Yeah, if you can sing great, but like there's so many other things that go on over there. And it's just so funny to me. It's just, it's just like what we value as talent has shifted so much from like nineteen sixty nine to now. It's very interesting. You would like I don't know. I can't say anything. Like what Gladys might say, <laughs> she said the with Motown and all that. You know, they were like a, a like a business. Like they were at rehearsal just doing dance moves for one day for like seven in the morning till six in the evening. And when you watch those videos, like us, like oh, these are simple little two steps with all of them surrounding a mic. You wouldn't think they'd be in like rehearsals that long, but they were. Like they had to like. There are some parts of talent which, yes, you could sing naturally, that's good, but the other part of that showmanship that is needed to sustain and extend your career, that had to be taught. And like like you said, that process isn't like done. Like nowadays, if you can, mm-hmm. if you're t- if you're a pretty face on TikTok, I know, or Instagram, like, oh, we're going to sign you to an acting contract knowing damn well you can't act, you know, just because you're famous, you know? So. Yeah. So a lot has changed on that front, but um, I loved what I loved the most was that it was the concert footage was cut with actual footage of what was going on during that time politically and um, socially. I really loved that because you can see that that moment in at the Harlem Cultural Festival was like a part of a much bigger change that was happening in that year, like. Like, so many things changed during that year in particular. Like, there had been a lot of death and a lot of assassinations and stuff that had happened previous. But, like, this year was, like, we were getting, like, the Black Panthers were popping off. Like, I don't know, people, Black people were actually feeling like they were important and that their lives had value and that they were beautiful. Like, that Black pride thing was popping off. Like, everything was kind of shifting. And I really thought that that would have been so cool to experience just like that moment in time. it kind of feels a little reminiscent of what's happening now kind of but not not to the, the same degree yeah. yeah it's not to the same degree but it definitely i feel like now we are in this kind of shift where we are recognizing like people who look different are still people mm-hmm. and we're kind of looking under the hood we're ripping up the carpets and pulling down the drapes like we're actually getting to like the source of the issues that are going on in our country and i think that it was so much more potent back then but it does kind of feel similar to now in certain respects yeah. but yeah and that, that was really the, cool to see i loved seeing that it was yeah it was eye-opening to see because it's not just it was a different walks of life and when i was like you had like you know jesse jesse james you know 
um, mm-hmm. a preacher, a pastor. You had gospel music performers on that stage. You had Black Panther Party involved security. You had community organizers involved. You had um, not even just just Black talent. You had Slime and Family Stone, which is like a multicultural group going up there. You had like a plethora of different things going on. Like it, like a, it was a collective consciousness to move toward like one goal. It's not even that you even even representation knowing that it's Harlem, it's New York. You had Afro, like you had Latinos being like, and I feel like there's a disconnect in our culture of you know. But when I say black people, I also mean Afro Latino as well because you are of that African African descent is within you. Like they were also involved, and there was a connection there to be involved. So, with the music like it was all humming on one accord and we don't have that you know anymore so yeah i agree i think that's one thing that is really plaguing the black community is this feeling that we are the only people who have suffered and so we don't need to reach out or make connections with any other minority group like it seems like we're very much like it's our thing. Like, let us be upset. And it's not even. And it's I'm not like, a black thing either, because those other minority groups are the same. Like, we every mm-hmm. single minority group in this country has somehow enclosed each, ourselves to our own separate communities, not being mm-hmm. conscious, being aware that we all have the same struggle and issue. You know. So. Yeah, that's definitely true. So I was. It was nice to. It was really nice to see that kind of intersectionality of like every kind of group a kind of yeah group of people who were performing up there and to see kind of the variety of culture i like the the conversation i forget what group it's called i forgot what their, I mean, their the, name is the fifth dimension group the first yeah. yes them yeah. mm-hmm. when they were talking about um how they wanted to make pop music but then it was like a a struggle of like, oh, your music isn't black enough. Like your music is too white, and the white people went like, no, your music is too black, and whatever. Like that's still that's an same. issue that I think a lot of people have. Yeah. yeah, of like feeling like, oh, this music is for these group of people, and this music is not. And it's like, what that festival shows that like, no, music is like the common denominator for all of us. Like it's, it crosses every border. Like we speak the same language through music. Like that is the point, and you can't you can't kind of section off like who gets to make what kind of music. And I'm just like, yes, exactly. They're saying exactly that. And it's so funny that like, it seems like the conversations never really change. It's like sometimes we choose to listen to it and sometimes we choose not to listen to it, but it's the same conversation. People have been feeling this way forever. Mm -hmm. Like it's so crazy. What did, what did she said? They went to Harlem and the festival just because for, Part of it, they want to be a part of something bigger than themselves. But she said, also, we want to let our community know that we are one of you. Because they're talking about mm-hmm. going on tours, people hearing their music and not knowing they're black until they looked up, picked up an album cover or saw the flyer and stuff like that. So, and that's weird for black talent or cr- creatives, no matter the field, to see your work marginalized and dissected along cultural lines is, is really is really weird that's like something earlier um normani experienced because she wanted to do pop music and for black people the idea of pop is you know britney spears christina Aguilera, and so she was kind of like pushed aside until she started working on like you know megan the stallion and stuff like that and so i don't know I, I feel like that shouldn't be like you shouldn't pigeonhole people like black people do this so white people do that kind of it's kind of like the simpsons sketch where the guy is making fun of oh 
white people drive like this and then black people drive like that. It's it's it's, it's not necessarily let people be people. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Um, I thought it was also interesting that the mayor of New York, the gov- yeah, I think it was the mayor of New York who allowed like the whole entire festival to happen. Mm-hmm. I thought it was a really powerful message that, and it wasn't even a message, like it's just what happened, but it's a good message for now that he was a Republican, but he saw black people as people. He wasn't afraid to be into the neighbor to go into the neighborhoods and actually like address the issues that were going on in Harlem. And I was just like, isn't it such a shame that like party means that you can't just treat people with respect or care about the people are hungry and have no homes. Like it's just, I don't know. It's so. It's just so sad that like politics is like it is what it is. Because there was a point where people were actually able to like work together and get things done, and now it's so partisan that it's just like ridiculous. But yeah. it's it's one of those things. I think I I I don't know. I I said it the other day. I was the thought was in my head as well. And I I watched watch it. I think I tweeted something like, and it's not just a Twitter thing. It's a worldwide thing. Is people take this one thing about them. And make it their whole mm. personality trait, no matter what it is. Like mm. being Republican has somehow just become a predominant personality trait. Being Democrat, you know, being you know, a, like I don't know. It's like a lot of things. Like people take one insular thing about themselves, and they hyper focus on just that. And that alone, it's, it's really weird. And it 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 pigeonholes you, and you don't get to grow or adapt when you think like that. So, yeah. Um. The last thing I'll say is that watching this made me very happy to, like, be from New York as well. Mm-hmm. Because, like, I've walked them streets so many times. Um, I used to go to school, not in Harlem, but I used to go to school, like, near the Bronx. But, like, a lot of my friends were from Harlem. So I would spend so much time there. My dad used to work over there. So, like, it's been, it's weird to see how, it, how it's changed, how it's been slightly gentrified. I think Harlem is one of the main parts of New York that has really tried not to have other people kind of come in and influence what's happening in their area and keep its historic um, culture kind of alive. But there has been some gentrification definitely in the city and that's sad. But like, also I think that New York is such a special place because it is a real, like it literally is a melting pot Mm. and you can just like see any and every kind of thing there and all kinds of people can mix and mingle in that area. And I, that hasn't gone away. And I think that's really cool. Because I don't know if you could do this anywhere else. I mean, maybe you could do it in California or something like that. But to have that kind of acceptance, interest, so many people are over there in that park <laughs> during, this, during this festival. So, and I, yeah, I, it was just, it was, it made me very happy. Like, I was just smiling during the entire time i was like oh i don't i i feel the same way to agree i mean i I left new york when i was six i don't remember walking streets in new york at all (laughs) but you know i i i was kind of happy and in watching that i like um one of the things that kept popping in my head was like this is how i feel like astro afropunk should currently be and it's it made mm. me feel bad because that was like almost Afropunk's original intention until it became corporate and a lot more outsiders started getting involved. Like, I, I I do think there needs to be some more 
uh, what's the word I'm looking for? And I don't want to sound like closed-minded or, you know, if people want to say, well, that's racist. It's, it's not really racist. I wish we as a culture tried to put more of an importance to a degree of gatekeeping our experiences to a degree. Like, because once, mm-hmm. once, like, and like Afropunk, like an experience like the festival in Summer of Soul, you could tell like the people who were involved had a passion for it. But once you know you get the corporate side involved, the money becomes a factor, like that joy and passion from it somehow kind of dies. So I kind of do wish you know we would be more, a little more, yeah, you can join, but a little more guarded with certain aspects of you know our culture. Um, one thing I do, I did like the most about this movie was it really explained to me or helped me solve my like gospel music disconnect for a weird a weird way because mm-hmm. if if you're if you're if you're a West Indian person you kind of know the focus of gospel music is within West Indian household or West Indian culture it tends to be more on the countryside. And it was for years I couldn't like I was like why is like why you know the whole issue of drums in church and all that why was always a thing. And then I understood it's a cultural way of reacting to the same experience like West Indians have pigeonholed us into this country music style of gospel for decades and centuries. Still to this day they are. Whereas, you know, I say African Americans, you know, people for descendants from the slaves in the States have a more jubilant and colorful expression of it. So like stuff like that, you know, watching this movie helped me understand and figure out. So yeah. That's good. So, I'm glad that it, I mean, that the dots were connected. I mean, you know, it's a documentary. It's not. It's not going to handhold you. You got to connect those dots yourself. So, like, <laughs> yeah. Um, I um, this documentary is actually going to air on ABC right before the Oscars. Mm-hmm. Um, so that means that a lot more people will be able to watch it, which is really exciting. Um. And I'm really excited for that, too, because I think the biggest thing about this was that this was an amazing experience that was never shared. Mm-hmm. Like those tapes were just like in a basement somewhere for decades. And I think that it's really interesting how much we know about Woodstock and that whole experience. I've watched a documentary on Woodstock. Like I you hear a whole bunch of stuff around that. And the fact that it happened in the same year and this was never picked up because people just didn't assume that black people and their experiences were interesting at all, even though you had Nina Simone mm-hmm. like literally killing it, looking like an actual goddess. I mean, these are people who are not even like, it's not like their stuff was translating to all audiences. Mm-hmm. Stevie Wonder, like how what like what do you mean it's not of any interest like it's so strange that they couldn't get anyone to actually put this on anywhere it's really insane but what i'm glad about now is that it's been reintroduced Questlove is like i hope people don't know him just from their roots and from you know being on jimmy kimball i mean colin but (laughs) yeah (laughs) i hope i hope not like he's an actual historian like a music historian he's very very intelligent and he like knows his stuff so i'm really happy that he recovered all of this stuff all of this footage all the music he got the interviews and now everyone will be able to see it experience it and see why it's so valuable Mm -hmm. and why it's not just a black thing that happened back in the 60s but it's a part of american history yeah this 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 is 
one of those things where um I wish hopefully out of this somehow you know they decide to put the whole not just the documentary itself on TV cuz it's like ABC because you know Disney Plus and Hulu if you want to watch it before it goes on TV mm-hmm. um I hope like you know cuz every year you see them selling DVDs of like Woodstock you know from the 90s mm-hmm. and you know the 1970s I hope that they you know this you know a reinvigorates that passion to do you know another harmful cultural festival and also somehow they end up, you know, selling this experience because I would love to watch all seven, all six, you know, weeks of this event. Mm-hmm. You know, I would love to be able to see that and the different, you know, talent go- going across the stage. That some of those names are partly forgotten. Like, like we said before, like Fifth Dimension. I had no idea they were a black group because every time it plays and mm-hmm. every time that song plays in music, Asia Aquarius or whatever, it's always in a mm-hmm. white movie in a comedy sense. So in my head, I was like, oh, this is like one of those, you know, white folk groups. It wasn't until watching this experience that I learned it was a black group. And there are probably other groups just like them that were featured on this. So I would love, you know, Questlove. I don't know if you listen to this the podcast or whatever, or you're following <laughs> us on Twitter. You know, I, I might have to add you like I added Chio, because I know you and Chio are boys. Um, you know, please, you know, put this whole six-week event, like, somehow, some way let it go on TV because I, I would love to watch something like this so yeah, yeah so okay um what are we rating this I mean see that's I can't I can't honestly rate it because it's a I, I feel like you can't really rate cultural experiences in a way like yes I understand it's a DVD it's a it's a it's a documentary it's a movie but for the fact that I'm I was you know be able to learn more be you know, brought into a, like a cultural experience. Like, even though I said before, I felt sad. I did. I did in that sadness. There's also a sense of pride, you know, um, about, you know, me being black in this country, like our wealth of talent and stuff like that. And, you know, um, yeah, I don't know. I can't, I can't like quantify it. It's a feeling like you can't quantify, you know what I'm saying? It's kind of hard for you to put in words if you get what I'm saying. Okay. <laughs> I do get what you're yeah. saying. I do get what you're saying. Um, I'll rate it because some honestly, some documentaries aren't that good, but this one was. This one was excellent. So, like, I will give it like a ten out of ten. Like in documentarily, in documentary terms, (laughs) as a film, I would probably give it like a nine out of ten, but still high. Like, it's still very. It's it was really well done, well put together. It looked fantastic. Like I love looking at that footage, like that vintage footage. Like that looked really good. Um, yeah, it was an excellent. It was an excellent documentary. Everyone seemed like they were really passionate about it. I felt great after I watched it, and um, I'm really excited that more people will, will be able to see it. I'm excited that it's getting the recognition that it is from all of these big, bigger institutions. Um, yeah. Perfect for Black history. Y'all watch it. Learn something. I'm sure you're, gonna, you're definitely going to learn something that you didn't know before. Yeah. So, great. On to that, we're going to move on to the um, some, you know, box office-ish news. Um, so, um, over the weekend, you know, Super Bowl's going on, but not just Super Bowl. A lot of movies that drop. Uh, J-Lo reduced to rom-com Owen Wilson. Um, J Lo and Owen Wilson and Ron Comps and like the 
mid to like what? It's it's twenty twenty, like I don't know. They still think J Lo's bankable when it comes to rom coms. Uh, her and Owen Wilson have one called "Marry Me." Of course, you know Jackass Forever is out. Oddly enough, you know Death on the Nile was actually shot and done before Kenneth Braugh did Belfast. But for some reason, it was held in release limbo until Belfast got... For some, for reason. some reason. For some reason. Okay, okay. we know their right. reason. So, but... <laughs> okay. so Ar- Army Hammer is in the movie. Yes, no. Okay, fine. He's in the movie. But also, it mm-hmm. seems like this... Like, after Belfast got these rave reviews and Kenneth Braugh was in the news more often, they're just like, we're going to drop, you know, death on now. So... Just, just suddenly drop it. So, <laughs> of course, you know, Liam Nielsen, our favorite, you know, grandpa action hero, also has another action movie. You know, let's be honest, well, Liam Nielsen's far too old to be doing his action movies. I don't want him to get hurt. Um, I want to see him, you know, I, I, I want to keep those memories from, from Taken, or as I call it, call it the Tooken franchise, you know. <laughs> I don't want him, you know, getting hurt. Um, but that debuted as well. But Def On Now did debut at the top spot over the weekend with uh, $12 million. Um, you know, uh, Death uh, Bury Me got little to no acclaim, you know, JLo Rom-Com, and also Liam Neeson kind of just whimpered, making only $3.6 million. $3.6 million, so a lot of money. I don't have that kind of money, but I know for a fact that it does not recoup the, you know, the, the budget for making that film. Um, for mm. total for the full domestic weekend, um, I'm gonna take a give you over the top ten. Um, of course, um, the four fifty five is currently down from six to ten. Licorice Pizza is still holding that ninth spot. American Underdog is at uh eight. Redeeming Love, a Universal Picture film, um, is at gone down from four to seven. Um, The Kingsman has dropped from five to. Six sing suddenly like a drastic drop from three to five. Scream two also follows that pattern by dropping from two to four. Moonfall debuted at number one. Um, Spider Man No Way Home is currently sitting at number two, and Jackass Forever is currently number one, which makes sense because you know, like I said before, everybody wants to do stupid shit with their friends, and it's always fun watching other people do stupid shit with their friends. Um, and that's for the domestic and on the international side. Um, um, a lot of numbers have not been reported so far, but it looks like globally, uh, worldwide, outside of you know, Hong Kong, The Kingsman is the number one movie there for the weekend. Um, Mexico has Marry Me, the J Lo rom com. Um, Ukraine, Uncharted debuted. Um, Saudi Arabia, um, King Richard, Spain and Russia, both have Uncharted. Dune is in Taiwan. UK also has Uncharted. China got has Dune. Kuwait. In Israel, for all have King Richard as the number one pictures. Japan has King. Um, Japan has West Side Story. But every other country is reporting that is showing that Death on the Nile is the number one um movie. So that's good. We'll see how those numbers change from their weekend debuts to into the next, this coming week, where they actually see the full week week box office numbers. And that's it for me on the box office side of things. Okay, um, going back to Oscar news, um, it was released today that Wanda Sykes, Amy Schumer, and Regina Hall will host the Oscars. This is the first time the Oscars will have an MC format since 2018. And um, yes, the ceremony will be on March 27th. 
How do you feel about this? Of Amy Schumer wanting to sex Regina Hall. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know how I feel about, you know, Amy Schumer. Um, <laughs> because, you know, of her history of stealing other kid videos jokes. Um, happy for Wanda Sykes and Regina Hall, which is weird because for a long time we viewed Regina Hall as just this comedic black actress, and then her career shifted, and everybody somehow found out oh she can actually act, and all of a sudden with that everybody's like oh my gosh she's actually beautiful. So it's good. So her dropping back into that Oscars host comedy kind of role is kind of good. You know, of course Wanda Sykes, you know, industry veteran. You know, she doesn't get you know the adoration and you know. And um, celebration that she's deserved. So happy for her as well for hosting the Oscars. Well, so yeah, we'll see how that turns out for a trio of them. So I don't know how I feel about it. Mm. I mean, I one, I don't really think the Oscars needs a host, mm. and I feel like it does better when it doesn't have one. Um, the ceremony is unnecessarily long always, but I feel like. <sighs> Time gets cut a little bit more when um, there aren't. There's not a host to be saying a whole bunch of stuff like between every single nominate. Like, yeah, be- between every single category. But I'm not. And then three of them. Like, come on, y'all. Like, we could have just gotten one. But I no, mean, we have to it, have three people. It, <laughs> I'm not there. It's for really it. weird because on the production side, it's says really a black kind of led show because you have Wanda Sykes Regina Hall as host, but you also have uh, Will Packer as the producer for the program, which is kind of funny. It's one mm-hmm. of those things where behind the scene, you know, black people have representation, but in front, in front, or as far as the nominees concerned, we have marginal representation. It's, one of the, it's, it's really weird, so. It's weird. Yeah, it's weird. Maybe they're overcompensating for this one. Um, I mean, I guess I'm fine with it, whatever. Like, um, I love Regina Hall. I think she's great. I'm glad she's getting this opportunity. Wanda Sykes, I haven't, like, I haven't thought about Wanda Sykes in a very long time. So, okay, girl, do your thing. I'm fine with Amy Schumer, but I, if she if she tells one vagina joke, I'm going to have to be out. If she does it once, I'm going to have to be out. Like, just don't, just don't do that. And we'll have, we'll have a great time. We'll have a great jolly time. I'm acting like I'd be watching the Oscar. I mean, am I gonna really watch it this year? I don't know. I mean, I probably am. I'll probably you know lie to just you know. I'll be on the socials looking at who wins, but will I watch the actual ceremony? I don't know if I will. I probably will, but whatever. Anyways, (laughs) I'm just like three. Gosh darn. I mean, uh, hopefully (laughs) it might it might be better than you know Mm -hmm. Cedric and Hater hosting you know. Of it, um, so that was okay. Oh, so, um, but no, the other major draw, major draw this weekend was, of course, the Super Bowl. Um, shout out to the Rams, Mm -hmm. Rams won, um, 27 to 23 to 20. Um, Odell Beckham got his, you know, Super Bowl ring. Um, but of course, we don't really watch the Super Bowl for the game, we watch it for, of course, the halftime show. And for the commercials, right. um, so this mm-hmm. year's you know halftime show was full LA, you know, X out for you know, of course you had Fifty, you had Mary Jane, you had you know, um, and you also had Eminem, who are you know New York and Detroit respectively, but you know with yeah. Snoop Dogg, Dr. Dre had mostly probably headlining show. All the people kind of there are known for working with Dr. Dre, um.
I'm cutting opportunity. You know, Atlanta had Maroon Five headline the show, which is kind of like, come on. Um, and, oh. and then Miami, we had you know we had J Lo, which I I guess it's okay, but Miami to me is. When you ask me Miami music, the first thing that comes to my mind is not J-Lo. I don't think for anybody who lives in Miami that the first thing that comes to mind is J-Lo. But, you know, I'm happy for, you know, people of Cali, people of, you know, L.A. to got their moment to showcase their musical culture to the world. Um, I guess the biggest mm-hmm. standout from that show is, you know, Eminem took a knee for Kaepernick. Um, which is funny because there were reports earlier that the NFL told him that he acts at NFL and they, were, they said, reportedly said no. Eminem is one of those people where like, I'm gonna do it. Eminem is like he's like that internal toddler where don't touch the stove. I'm gonna do that shit anyway, cause and he, you know, and they touch the stove. Eminem, like you tell Eminem not to be controversial, he's going to be controversial. <laughs> so he might not, you know, he might not be going by Slim Shady. His hair might not be blonde, but he's still going to be controversial. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like <laughs> a lot of people were concerned. Like people were. Mostly, of course, white America was surprised at who Mary J. Blige was. You know? And let me say, Mary J. Blige, she is like 51 years old. Mary J. Blige looks good. Like, Mary J. Blige looks... They were confused. Like, they didn't well, know who she was at one all. point last night, I saw a tweet from a DJ. A DJ saying, you know, this is an amazing moment because Dr. Dre started all their careers. And everybody was like, wait a minute. Dr. Dre and Mary J. Blige's career kind of started at the same time. So what are you saying? So yeah, a lot of people. Oh, that's that's embarrassing. Yeah, a lot of people. That's so, embarrassing. The tweet is now deleted. The tweet is now uh, he got lit up. And the tweet is now deleted. But yeah, Major Bush for mm. fifty ish years old. Oh yeah, she looks great. Looks good. And she still got it. Yeah, yeah she still got it. Um. And then Kendrick coming yeah. out. Oh, I love him so much. I was so happy that he. Yeah, was Kendrick there. is one of those. It's funny that they had to like <laughs> they had to bleep out a whole bunch of stuff because it was like. Yeah. You can't say kill the police yeah. like on this one. Yeah, you can't. No, <laughs> not for the Super Bowl. Yeah. yeah, Kendrick is one of those rappers who could like not release music for like almost four, or five years right now, and he goes on stage and everybody's like full of anticipation. I don't think any other rapper out right now yeah. has that same impact. But yeah, yeah, I don't like you. Did you watch the halftime show? I watched it on YouTube. Watch on YouTube later. I watched the thing. <laughs> yeah. So okay, it was good though. Uh, mm. How many other Super Bowl halftime shows have you watched? Like in person, like, like on, either on it was or like, on or after either or all of um, them. I where think? would you where yeah. would you rank this as far as like what's your like top five ish or top three of Super Bowl performances? Three. I don't know. I don't know. I'm mean, just any number, any mm. number, any number. You can start as low as you want. <laughs> now I got. <laughs> I'm trying to figure it out. <laughs> I think that um, well, I'm trying to think of like a one that was really amazing. I mean, I don't really want to talk about him, but Michael Jackson always has to be like at the top, mm-hmm. right? Just, just because, just yes. Because. Um, I think that I was like on 10 when Beyonce did her thing with Coldplay and Bruno Mars, but that's just because I love Beyonce. Mm. So like, it's high up there. This one is pretty high up there. I would put this like probably right underneath the Beyonce Coldplay Bruno situation. Because the Lady Gaga one, the Katy Perry one, like all those other ones, like they were okay, but I was not as hyped to see them as I was to see these people. So mm. 
bathroom. I think I'm gonna do four. I will put mm-hmm. I will put the beyond the Coldplay one. Um, the reason I say Coldplay because it ended up take beyond it beyond and Bruno Mars making that show. So for me up there, that's that's one up there. Um, of course Beyonce's individual performance. Mm-hmm. This one as well. But I would say number one for me mm-hmm. would always be Prince's performance. Mm-hmm. Like it was a perfect combination of like the rain like misting down and just he's putting on a one man show, just him and his guitar and a couple his band and a couple dancers. You've got the curtain going up in this, the air, and then you know him projected big on the screen for like twenty feet tall. Like the whole like togetherness, and then yeah, Prince number one for me. Yeah, I, for, I forgot about the weekend. Oops, I didn't like that. The vocals weren't great, but I think in terms of like what he was doing. I think how he presented it was really cool. I think that tying into his whole after hours era that was also dope. Mm-hmm. But it was very much like a thing that was in the in a vacuum. Like it, unless you cared about the weekend, you were not going to care about this performance. Yeah. So <laughs> it's not high on the list, but I thought it was cool. Mm-hmm. Anyway, moving swiftly on, let's talk about the movies we watched. Um, go ahead, Dale. Um, I watched a movie. This is, uh, one, it was featured at um Sundance this year. It won the jury selection award. It's called uh, "Don't Go Tell Your Mama." It's kind of a a visual album. Um, it's predominantly referencing or mostly about the Black ABCs, which is uh you know, uh the alphabet, but done from a Black perspective, created by um in the nineteen seventies by a group of teachers in Chicago. Um, like A for Afro, B for Black, you know, stuff like that. Um, but this is kind of a different telling with modern day Black culture featuring like Warp C for like code switching or L for language, W for like world star. As <laughs> um, but it's created by mm. rapper uh, Topaz Jones to, and it's kind of also titled along with his album that dropped um this year as um yeah this year at last year as well. Um, but yeah, I I thought it was a really good medium it's not just a medium but also not just the music that he he created from his album going along with this as a visual piece but also of the vignettes of people telling their stories you know you have um a former miss america uh contestant who's a black woman you know telling her experience about you know being on that stage you know winning miss new jersey then going on to miss america and how that experience of like being a black person in a predominantly white space pushed her to the feel of um, therapy and how she's helping people, you know, those kind of things. So I thought it was really wonderful, wonderfully put together. Music, amazing. Visually, concept, amazing. Um, you also had uh, Black Thought in there talking as well. But yeah, if you, you know, have, it's, I think it it's currently running right now as a New York Times, um, a New York Times website as an op-ed doc. Um, yeah, I just I'd recommend everybody to give it a watch. Cool. Um, I watched Desmond's Not Here Anymore. Um, Dale reached out to a director, Lindui Settle Muller Westernhagen. Hope I pronounced that okay. Um, and she made this short film. Uh, it's very much, uh, it's about a woman who is suffering from dementia and her daughter who takes care of her. Um, it's in the same vein as like the father. It, 
was pretty reminiscent of that, except not, obviously not that movie, but like in the same vein of like having a family member taking care of a person who is suffering from dementia, memory loss, you know. But I think it would have been really interesting as like a full length film because there was a lot of stuff at the end that I felt like I really wanted to like get into and explore like, okay, like what's going on here? Like, let's explore this trauma right quick. But you know, it was a short film, so we, I ain't gonna see that. But um, the actress, S.F.P.Tha Merkinson, she was amazing. She was so good in this. Um, and yeah, I liked it. <laughs> but I don't want to like give too much away because I, I don't know if this is anywhere, like if you can see it publicly, I'm not sure. I mean, we can, we can, we can reach out to her and ask that, but so you're saying yours, yeah. like you, you want, you want more from this, like short film, you're now you're, now you want more, like you want to see how the story progresses because. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yes. I want to see like what happens actually. Cause it's just like. Cause they set something up and I was like, okay, wait, hold on now. Like I have so many more questions, like, please. But, um, and I wish that they had, not that they can't, cause I think there's been a lot of people who have made short films and they got those short films turned into um, full length movies. Mm -hmm. So I think this can happen with this one. Cause I think if they have like proper budget and stuff like that, they could really like expand and make this really good. Mm -hmm. Cause all of the material, all the stuff is there for it to like, be a really great full-length feature, I think. So and that's 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 the one thing about it's hard with you know the whole short film um, bubble because you have like at most thirty to fifteen minutes of telling a story. There's so much you know you want to expound or see as expound as a creator or see as an audience. So you don't get that chance. So hopefully, you know this movie does um, get to that opportunity to you know become a feature-length thing. Um, uh, shout out shout out to her for reaching out to us you know um if you have a short you know you want us to you know take a look at it we would love to love to have the opportunity um so yeah 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 because some short films like you can tell the story in that amount of time i actually love short films for that reason in particular but this one was like oh no we need to we need some more details mm -hmm. so yeah okay well that's it from us here to Okay, um, let me get back to my outro. <laughs> um, <laughs> we hope that you're all taking care of yourselves and you're having a good week. Make sure to check out all of our social media. Um, I want y'all to check out the letterbox page. Like, we got all our stuff over there. We will be reviewing the movies that we have been seeing. So, check it out. Um, support us on Anchor if you can and we will see you guys in the next episode. Goodbye. Au revoir everybody.